When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, welcome back to Talking Knicks. I'm Tom Piccolo coming to you less than 24 hours removed from the Knicks beating the Cavaliers 101 to 97 in Cleveland. Uh, the, the win brought them up one nothing in the series, and we can't wait to talk about it. So let's just do it. Let's talk Knicks. All right, I'm joined today by the Poon brothers, Greg and Kenny. Um, Kenny, you and I watched the game together, so I feel like I know how you're doing a little bit. Greg, I'll start with you. What's going on? How are you? I'm good. I watched the Knicks win yesterday. I've been world traveling. Okay, United States of America traveling. Been in California, South Carolina recently. Those are two different places, not California. Not a town in South Carolina called California, but in the States. Necessary. But now I'm back. I'm back in New York. For the New York Knicks. So I'm good. You came back just in time for game one, it seems. That's true. I don't know how how much you planned that. Uh, Kenny, what's, what's going on? How are you doing? Doing good. Uh, I've hung out with both of you a fair amount in the last week or so. I just I was in South Carolina with Greg, so I was very close quarters with him for a week. And then uh, you and I, like you said, watched the game together, so... So it's, uh, it's been a while, but I'm happy to to have you both here to hang out with you some more because you're you're good people and I like you. Man. What about you, Tom? What's what's going on with you? I heard I uh, heard you did some stuff today. The energy is good over here, guys. I mean that that Knicks win it it changes the weekend a little bit. It, it changes the whole energy. Uh, you know, I today we went for a hike. It was me, my wife, our our nine month old son went to Sleeping Giant in Hamden, Connecticut. For those of you local, um, and then we went to New England Brewing Company in Woodbridge, not too far. Uh, had a great time there. There was a food truck, had some ramen, had some beers. It was a good time. Good time had by all. Brought our dog the whole time, so it was fun. Good weekend, and you know, the the Knicks win was just was probably the highlight. Even still, um, that was a, it was a really. Excellent game. I don't know if you guys had expectations that the, the Knicks would go up 1-0, but uh, Greg, I'm going to start with you. What stood out to you in that game one win? What was like kind of, what were you watching? You know, just obviously, I mean, I'll take, I'll take the, the layup, if you will. Jalen Brunson, you know, he was, he was slowed down in the first half with some foul trouble and he came back and scored 20 plus in the second half. And he just, took over down the stretch, you know, playoffs is, you know, a lot of ISO and fortunately the Knicks, that's kind of been their style the entire season. So they're not really making any adjustments. I also thought like, you know, all these playoff teams are tinkering with their rotations now, but the Knicks have been going with the nine man rotation for, for so long now that, that we really know what we are. So also great to have Julius Randall back. He was looking very fresh in that first quarter. He had 16 in the first half, and he only ended up with 19. He only hit one three in that, that fourth quarter. That was, was his second-half output. But 
you know, you have Julius Randle going for it in the first half and then Jalen Brunson doing it in the second half. And that's that's why you have two players of that caliber. And that's why that's how you win the playoffs is by having multiple multiple stars. Yeah, man, that's kind of been the Knicks recipe all season long is just having at least one of those guys going off at once. And they do seem to complement each other really well. Kenny, I know, I mean, first of all, as a Villanova guy yourself, I know Jalen Brunson very much on your radar, but there was another Villanova guy who I feel like was maybe equally as important as Jalen Brunson in this game. And that was Josh Hart. I want to just let you go. I mean, how, how good was Hart in this game? Is his first playoff game in his career. Yeah, and I think you like like we said, you and I watched this game together, and you know uh, the first half of that game, um, there were a lot of players who weren't playing at the level that you expect them to. Uh, you know, I'm talking about Grimes quickly. You know, RJ Barrett had some nice plays, but he ultimately had, uh, I think, a, a little bit of a down game. Uh, but Josh Hart was super steady the entire time. He, he gets he's getting you those plays that you expect of him. He's getting you the hustle plays. He he made in my opinion, and I think, I don't know if you guys disagree me, with me, but the biggest shot of the game was right after the Cavaliers took that lead and uh, Josh Hart kind of had it, got it from uh, Isaiah Hartenstein. They closed off everyone else with like four seconds left on the shot clock. So like off the dribble three, which is not his shot, but he nailed it. Knicks took the lead and they never looked back. And that was play of the game in my mind. And, you know, I, I think that is such a big thing that uh, was missing last year because last year or two years ago against the Hawks, um, when it was pretty much if Julius Randle didn't do something, no one was going to do anything. And that's how we got beat. And in this game, you know, we talked about Brunson, but Josh Hart, man, he, he put up a lot of big plays when the Knicks needed them. And then, you know, that's what I, that's what I have come accustomed to see from those guys, but I love to see it in the NBA now. And it's, it's exciting stuff. Man. I mean, Greg, to your point, Jalen Brunson was incredible. Um, that third quarter alone, I believe he had, 12 plus points and he was just unstoppable. He was getting whatever he wanted. He was getting the matchups. He was getting the matchups he wanted. And there's ESPN.com going off as I open up the box score. But uh, no Brunson, he was like matching up on Julie on uh, Darius Garland on Donovan Mitchell. It, it didn't matter. He was getting to his spots. He was, he was making the shots, but Josh Hart. I mean, it's just, you know, that the hustle and the effort's always going to be there, but that three-pointer, it, it came right after Jared Allen made a got an offensive rebound and got the Cavs their first lead since the first quarter. This is with 2-12 left in the fourth. Knicks called a timeout. The, the play coming out of the timeout, it didn't really develop into anything. It just kind of stalled. There was nothing really going on. Josh Hart had to just take a shot on his own. He had to create for himself. To your point, Kenny, not, not something he's accustomed to doing. And the fact that he drained it, he's just such a gamer and just such a he's a winning player. He makes these winning plays. He did it throughout the game, but he also did it in the biggest moment of the game there. And, I, you know, you really can't say enough about what Josh Hart did. Um, it was just one point. One point to add to that is like it was a player two before that, that, you know, he twisted his ankle. You saw him come up limping and you know, he went to the, the uh, sideline and like it didn't look great, but. I think you said you turned and said to me, you said, no, he's a gamer. He's going to he's going to stay in. And then I, I rewatched that that shot. And like it when he's running back, I thought he was laughing and smiling. But I'm, I went back and watched it. And I'm pretty sure he's grimacing because like he tweaked his ankle before that. But, you know, you make that shot and it's all good afterwards. Yeah. And uh, in addition to the, the Cavs taking that first lead, 
since the first quarter. They were on a 9-0 run. So the Knicks were were up 92-84, feeling good about themselves. Then you just get, give up a, a 9-0 run that includes, you know, two just horrible, terrible turnovers that give the, the Cavs easy buckets and one, like, bit of a, you know, Josh Hart almost gets a rebound, but Chetty Oseman ends up with it. And then, you know, the, the Cavs are in transition and Mitchell Robinson almost gets a steal, but then Donovan Mitchell hits a three instead. It's just all of a, a very fast turn of events. You think we're going to have the ball and then they just have three points, potential five points swing there. And, you know, if, if Josh Hart misses that three, you know, we, that means we just, they're on a nine Oh run and we just, ran like one of the worst offensive plays possible where it ended up in a in a guy's hand who who you know isn't isn't the end of the shot clock guy so then you'd be in there sub two minutes left with nothing working and the Cavs on a on a run and the place exploding so it really changed everything yeah and I got I got a deep cut for you but uh I don't know how much you guys remember of the 2016 national championship game uh, I remember it pretty well uh, I was there when Villanova won and Josh Hart did a similar thing in that game. Like UNC was making a run against Villanova. Josh Hart got the ball uh, right around the right elbow, like uh, at the free throw line, like no dribble, anything. He's like looking around, takes like a fadeaway jumper from the, the free throw line and hits it in a big, in a big spot. So it gave me flashbacks to that. And like, like I said, the, the Villanova boys, man, they, they delivered. And I, I think that down the stretch there, in addition to, Josh Hart's heroics. I mean, Jalen Brunson also had some really clutch plays, but the story might've been the offensive rebounds. There was first that, that Hartenstein tip out that, that allowed for the second opportunity. And then the eventual uh, Jalen Brunson ISO um, that was with about, that was with 35 seconds left in the game. And that put the Knicks up four. And then to close out the game, Julius Randall had that offensive rebound that uh, um, and he kicked it out to Quentin Grimes, who made the two clutch free throws to kind of seal the game with four seconds left. And offensive rebounding was something that pretty much every analyst pointed to coming into this series because the Knicks all year have been among the best offensive rebounding teams in the league. The Cavaliers, on the other hand, have been a very poor defensive rebounding team. That's both in the last, like I want to say, since like January 16th, they've been 29th in defensive rebounding. And then anytime that Jared Allen's off the floor and Evan Mobley's their center, they really struggle to uh, to get defensive boards. So that's one area that everyone pinpointed that the Knicks could really take advantage of this Cavs team. And they did. They, they fully did in this game. They dominated on the glass. They were the more physical team throughout. And I think that really bodes well, well for the rest of the series. Yeah, and I, I'm sure you guys have seen it uh, going around on Twitter, but that uh, there's a play where you know, they're setting up for a free throw. Evan Mobley's underneath uh, Julius Randle. And, you know, they go shoulder to shoulder and Mobley just gets tossed. And I don't know if that is Mobley's game. And a lot of people, even, you know, with it, among Cavs fans, have just been saying he needs to bulk up a little bit because that's going to be a tough matchup for him. If they're going to play, you know, Jared Allen going up against uh, Mitchell Robinson and Evan Mobley going against Julius Randle, that's going to be a tough matchup because Julius Randle is a bulldozer. And Evan Mobley is not, he's a phenomenal defender. He's a finalist for defensive player of the year, but he is not built to withstand that kind of physicality. Yeah. And, and one area I pointed to before the season, I, I wrote an article for Nick's film school. And I said that, you know, Julius Randall's health, everyone knew was a huge key to this series. 
And the fact that he came out in that first quarter and looked so good and hit a couple different threes, like that was that was huge because you know you've got Evan Mobley guarding <laughs> Julius Randle, and Mobley is. I mean, he's a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year. He's top six in block shots on the season. This dude protects the rim. And if he has to go chase Julius Randle out to the three-point line because Randle's hitting threes, that changes everything. Like, it opens things up for your Jalen Brunson drives, for R.J. Barrett, for for all the other guys, too. So, I mean, Randle's setting the tone. Greg, I know you mentioned him up top. That was, I mean, what a relief for Knicks fans to see that we didn't know what we were going to get. This guy missed the last five, six games of the season. Um, he was a game time decision and came out and didn't show any Ill, Ill effects. So thankfully th- there are two full days of rest before, and then uh, before game two and, uh, and hopefully Randall can just build on that because he was just absolutely imperative in that first game. Yeah. And it got, it got a little uh, worrisome for a second because we saw an OB top inciting in the first quarter, which just, doesn't ever happen, you know, that the next rotation is Randall plays the entire first quarter and then gets his little break. But Randall came in back in shortly thereafter, so he seems to be good to go. But Obi was good, too, in his time. Yeah, and I think that was that seems to be a conditioning thing. Uh, I think, you know, it, it seemed like they were uh, giving Randall regular breaks, like, within the game just to catch his breath. And I think, I don't know, it was the, the second or third quarter, but – um, he looked gassed at one point and, you know, he came, he came out and, and Obi came in. So I think that's going to be kind of the, the recipe because, you know, Tibbs has a reputation for playing his guys. Uh, but if Randall, you know, needs a, a few games to get his conditioning back up, I think that's how they're going to, to manage it by getting topping in whenever it looks like Randall might need a quick breather. Yeah. Ooh. yeah and and Toppin, Toppin started the game with that air ball three, which I mean, missed, it missed by such a dramatic amount that it was it was even shocking because we know Obi can sometimes airball a corner three and we're all like, oh, classic Obi's just got to get that out of his system. But this one in particular was like, oh, is he a little shook for these playoffs? The rest of the game, he was very good and and he was he was made impactful plays. I thought he was pretty solid on defense because the Cavs were really trying to go at him. They were putting him in pick and rolls, and you know he he did a fine job in that and the in the team defense. I think is another area where everyone was helping. Everyone kind of was engaged, locked in, knew where they needed to be. Um, And then Toppin was also just running the floor. He got two transition fast break dunks. And that's, I I put a video out on, uh, on talking Knicks uh, Instagram, you know, that that's something the Knicks need to do this. The Cavs have the number one ranked defense in the entire league. Any chances they can get to get an easy bucket, to get an uncontested dunk, they have to do it. And Obi's kind of the guy who does that. So, um, yeah, he was he was really impactful in his minutes. He played just 14 minutes, but they were big minutes. They were minutes that Randall needed a breather for, and he was plus 12 in those 14 minutes. So, um, you know, the whole bench, I'd say, aside from quickly, was they were incredible. Like Hartenstein, I mentioned his uh, offensive rebounding towards the end of the game. The whole game, he was just a very strong backup center. And there's just no question that the Knicks bench is far superior to the Cavaliers bench. Like it's not even close. The depth the Knicks have is such a strength. And I, I think that that's not going to change throughout the rest of the series. Yeah. yeah. And I think one thing I'll say that I mentioned uh, a little earlier is, is the, the minutes distribution, like, uh, you know, the Cavs, you see them tickering with their, their rotation because we've been a nine man rotation forever, but the Knicks minutes 
Julius Randle, 34. Mr. Robinson, 26. Brunson, 30. Barrett, 31. Grimes, 27. Hart, 33. That's very, very spread out. That's like less minutes than those guys would typically play in a regular season game. Whereas the the Cavs, all of their minutes were, were bumped up. You know, Mobley, 38. Allen, 43. Garland, 43. Mitchell, 44. Those are kind of just crazy minutes. Uh, and if, if the, this is going to series that's going to go go on uh, quite a few games, then that, that could be an advantage for the Knicks if they get started, started to wear down. It really does seem unsustainable. Just 44 minutes for Donovan Mitchell. Like, I mean, these are, these are some pretty wild numbers. This is basically the Cavs throwing the kitchen sink into game one. Right. And yeah. in fact, they couldn't come away with it. And it wasn't a perfect game played by them by any stretch. I thought, you know, they had got I mean Evan Mobley was four for 13 from the field. That's that's pretty rough for him. Um Darius, I mean, Darius Garland, if you just look at his box score, was fine, but I thought that the, the Knicks did a really good job of bottling him up. Um, and I, I think we could talk a little bit about RJ Barrett, who I, I thought he was matched up initially on Darius Garland. And I was very worried about that matchup. I think RJ has shown um to be a little slow afoot at times this year. And even in this game, there were a couple plays where he looked like he just couldn't get to loose balls. Donovan Mitchell took a couple loose balls that were right in front of RJ. Um, so that was a little worrisome, but on the whole, he did a really good job of defending Garland and just being a part of a very strong uh, team defense where the strategy seemed to be, Hey, we're going to try and try our best to take away the stars opportunities, Donovan Mitchell, we're going to try and get the ball out of his hands. We're going to dare guys like Isaac Okoro and Chetty Osman and Ricky Rubio, Karis Levert, Dean Wade. We're going to dare all those guys to beat us. And if they do, we'll tip our caps. But I mean, Isaac Okoro got played off the floor. He was one of six from the field. Oh, of four from three. The Knicks were straight up, not even close to him on defense. They were doubling guys. They were in the paint. And it completely tanked the Cavaliers' offense. Um, and and the, that was the Knicks' strategy for, for all these guys, Ricky Rubio's, and even Chetty Osman, who was two of three from behind the arc. The Knicks were still like, we're not going to guard you out there. Like, good luck. If you're if Chetty Osman beats us in the playoffs, then, you know, we'll live with that. But I, I really liked that strategy. And I, I, I don't know what the Cavs can do going forward that's going to, like, help negate that. Yeah, and we we talked about it a little bit during the game, and I think we saw those Ricky Rubio minutes uh, in the I think it was the second quarter. It was definitely the first half, and he played six minutes and was a minus nine. So like the Knicks went off in that period, and they were just abusing him. And then he came out, and I think you said those might have been his last minutes of the series. I said that's going to be the last time we see Ricky Rubio because just because yeah, yeah, like you said, they're absolutely went after those role players, and like like looking at the bench the bench plus minuses for the, for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Dean Wade minus 14 in seven minutes, Ricky Rubio minus nine in six minutes, Karis LeVert minus 14 in eight, 18 minutes. And then Chetty Osman was actually a plus one in his 19 minutes, but you know, that's not a good look for, for the Cavs bench. And like you said, the, the Cavs relied heavily on their starters for that game. And I don't know how sustainable that is, particularly with how physical this matchup has been. And, you know, I, I'm sure the refing will change a little bit, but they let a lot of go, lot go in that first game. So uh, I think that bodes well for the Knicks, not so much for the Cavaliers. Yeah, man. I mean, the, the Cavs really rely on Karis Levert to be that scorer off the bench and to like run the offense. And I mean, he couldn't get anything going. Um, I saw 
we mentioned this, Kenny, Jalen Brunson was the one defending Karis LeVert. They're kind of hiding Jalen Brunson on him. And because of that, the Cavs were going to LeVert. Even when they had Donovan Mitchell on the floor, even when they had Darius Garland on the floor, they were going to LeVert to run the offense because they're like, oh, he's got the matchup advantage over Brunson. And that's exactly what the Knicks wanted, right? They wanted to get the ball out of Donovan Mitchell's hands, get it into Karis LeVert's hands, and it led to good things for this Knicks defense. So that was super encouraging. Um, and, and I will say that like Chetty Osman, he was the one who was tasked with guarding Jalen Brunson because the Cavs just, they couldn't afford to put Isaac Okoro on the floor. They're obviously not putting either of their bigs on Brunson and they don't trust Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland to guard Jalen Brunson. Like that's a real disadvantage when neither of your star guards can D up the, the six foot one opposing point guard because he's too strong because he because he can get into the post and just dominate them so they have to go with a wing and they just don't have two-way wings who can do who can stay on the floor yeah that uh you know we, we talked about it a little bit during the game but i think that is the whole problem with someone trying to guard jalen brunson is like like we said he's not a big guard but he plays big Right. So you can't put a smaller guy on him because he'll take them down in the post and you can't put it's harder to put a bigger guy on him because he'll just work around them and get get to the hoop. So, like, he's such a tough matchup. And, you know, that's what we said earlier in terms of two years ago, if Julius Randle didn't have an opportunity to, to put points on the board, no one on the Knicks was going to point, put points on the board. And now having Jalen Brunson be able to do that. It, you know, releases some of that pressure from Julius Randle. And, you know, it gives you a guy who can go get you a bucket whenever you need it. And we saw it plenty during this last game that they just completely cleared out. The Knicks did and let Jalen Brunson go to work. And that was an effective offense. And, you know, I think we've talked about it a little bit during the season, but like, that's why you need guys like Jalen Brunson. Cause when you get into crunch time in the playoffs, it's pretty much give it to your best player and let them make a play. Yeah. And the, and the, the Hawks series two years ago, where we just got absolutely destroyed. The Hawks game plan was just double team Julius Randle. And it worked very, very well because, you know, there was no one else that could beat you. And now you have a guy who, you know, can beat you even more than Julius Randle can. I mean, last year in the playoffs, um, Luka Doncic missed the first three games of the Jazz Mavs series. And, you know, Brunson scored 40 and he led them to a two to one series advantage before Luca even took the floor. So this guy's he's he's got playoff experience. He's proven it in the playoffs before. I mean the Mavs were in the Western Conference Finals last year. This guy is a hooper. Yeah, so so one one last thing I'll say that that's positive. And I think, you know, obviously the Knicks didn't play a perfect game. There were still things to work on, still some negatives we should probably discuss. But the, the Knicks free throw shooting was incredible. They were 19 of 22, 86.4%. I mean, that's definitely better than their season average. Um, you know, they shot roughly the same number of free throws as the Cavs, I think. Yeah, the, the Cavs were 15 of 21. So they made four more free throws, and it was a four-point win, right? So, like, the fact that they were able to, to actually make their free throws was was pretty great to see. And, you know, it's been there have been times this season when it's been frustrating watching the Knicks just kind of give away these free points because they get to the free throw line a lot. and so. Um, it's nice to see them actually take advantage of that. On the other side of the coin, they they really struggled. The Knicks did from behind the arc. They shot eight of 29, so that's 27.6% from three. 
And, you know, there were a lot of, I mean, really no one shot the ball all that well from, from three, but RJ Barrett was one for five from downtown. Um, and overall he was just two of 12 from the field. Like that's pretty ugly for him. There were some bright spots. He had six assists. He had a team high six assists in his 31 minutes played. He had four steals and just one turnover. The turnover he had was, was nearly backbreaking and came at the worst time possible, but um, it was just the one turnover the entire game. And the fact that he actually, you know, got four steals, he turned all four of those steals directly into points. Three of them were assists for him to guys for layups or dunks. And then the final one he took in, he missed the layup, but Obi Toppin got the offensive rebound, got fouled and made his two free throws. So his four steals led directly to eight points again in a, in a game they won by four. So RJ Barrett still made impactful plays, but they're going to need a better offensive game, a better, better offensive production from RJ Barrett for the rest of the series, I think. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I think it's kind of what we've been talking about before is like the playoffs come down to your best players have to perform. And then, you know, there's the old adage that your role players don't, you know, travel well in the playoffs. And, you know, I don't know where RJ Barrett fits on that. I don't know if he's a role player or if he's, you know, we count him among our stars. Uh, but, you know, like you said, I think he, he had some positive contributions. Uh, I, he, him and Mitchell Robinson both got pulled out late in the game just because, you know, because of that turnover. And uh, when that, that was when the Cavs took the lead, um, both of them came out. So actually a little bit of a tip of the hat to Tibbs there or making the adjustment of putting Hartenstein and, and Quentin Grimes in there. Uh, but, you know, I, I think, you know, at, now that we have this game one win under our belt, I, a little bit of the pressure is going to come off those guys. And I think they'll, they'll play better in game two. Yeah. I mean, he definitely has to play better. I mean, two for 12 is very, very bad. And, you know, this is a guy that averaged almost 20 points per game. He averaged 20, 20 last year. So, I mean, he's, he's capable of, of putting points up and, you know, the Knicks are going to need uh, points from elsewhere. And uh, those points are also going to need to come from Emmanuel quickly, who, also struggled mightily in this game. He was only uh, zero for five from the field with three points total. That's uh, your front runner for sixth man of the year in the NBA, doing a, a complete no-show in a, in a game that the Knicks won. So, you know, you have two of the Knicks' top four or five players going no-shows, and Julius Randle kind of didn't perform in the second half coming off of injury. So, Coming away with this victory is, is is big time. Yeah, and I think that was my probably biggest takeaway from the game is, you know, I know I know Tom said that the Cavs didn't play their best game, but the Knicks also didn't play their best game, and they got the win. You know, I think Grimes, uh, you know, missed some open shots, quickly missed some open shots. There was one point where I think Grimes missed two straight wide-open threes, and then the Knicks got the offensive rebound both times and then quickly missed a wide-open three. And, you know, those, those are – shots that I'd expect them to make, you know, moving forward. Cause I think there is a little bit of jitters going into the, uh, the playoffs. And, you know, I think having Randall and Brunson perform the way that they, they did uh, and getting this win will take some of that pressure off. So I, I expect both of both Grimes and quickly to start hitting shots in, in a big way in the coming games. Yeah. I expect everybody to, to pretty much do better than, than other than, you know, Randall and, and Brunson and Hart. Hart. So those three, Performed very well. I mean, Toppin was good. Hardenstein was good. They, they did their normal jobs. But everyone else could 
could do a little better. I mean, Quinn Grimes' only points were a bank three in the first half and those two free throws. So he's a he's a knockdown shooter, so I'm sure we'll see a lot more from him. And adding to just the fact that the Knicks weren't, you know, playing the best game, Jalen Brunson played, what, six minutes in the first half just because of foul trouble? So, like, that's another big thing to – have those guys not playing well to not have Jalen Brunson for most of the first half of foul trouble. Like that's a big win to come away from for this team. Yeah. And I think that guys found a way to make their impact despite not making shots. I mentioned RJ Barrett steals and his assists, but Emmanuel quickly, I mean, he was, that was one of the worst offensive stretches I've seen from him. He was, he looked just completely out of sorts. He wasn't reading the defense at all. He had multiple cross court passes picked off. He just looked like he was going a million miles per hour and just had didn't have multiple speeds. Like he's gotten so good this year at playing with pace at like at forcing defenses to kind of, you know, adjust to his speeds. And that was not the case. He it must have been a, a situation where he was nervous or, or something like that. But but defensively, he was he was strong. Like he, he had one play that I clipped where he had to grab a, a defensive rebound over Jared Allen. And he ended up getting the ball and getting the foul. Like it was, there were some hustle plays there. Um, he did a good job of just being in help position. He loves being able to just, you know, sag off of his man and just rove and, and play free safety on defense. And I thought he did a good job of that. I and mean, he was plus eight in his 23 and a half minutes, despite not making a field goal and despite having his three turnovers, is because his defense, I mean, his defense was solid. Um, and then Quentin Grimes was the one who was tasked with guarding Donovan Mitchell while he was on the floor. And, you know, there were a couple of times where I think he, I, I remember one time specifically he went under a screen, Donovan Mitchell just pulled it and hit the, the pull up three. Um, but for the most part, like Grimes was making him work. So you, you do like to see that too, but offensively, I mean, quickly and Grimes have so much room to grow there. And I, and I fully expect them both to do that. Um, Kenny, you mentioned the point that that role players typically perform better at home and that on the road, you have to really lean on your stars. And I think that was mostly the case in this game one, uh, minus Josh Hart, who, you know, call him a role player, I guess, at your own peril. That guy just, he shows up kind of no matter what's going on. Gotta love yeah. it. Love Josh Hart's game. And one, one thing I'll say about, you know, the Knicks role players, I know Kenny mentioned earlier that Tibbs made that subs, the subs with uh, Quentin Grimes and Hartenstein coming in. The Knicks have eight of these people on the Knicks, eight of the nine in their rotation, I could see closing a game in this series. So Obi Toppin is the only person I, I don't expect to, to be in a closing lineup. But the other eight of these guys, it's going to be mixing and matching. I could see any, depending on the situation of the game, one of these guys could be, be in at the closing. I mean, like we said, Emmanuel quickly played 24 minutes. You can easily see him playing 38 in a game, you know, when he's, if he's cooking. So, We'll see what we'll see what this, you know, this game. I don't think it really is as telling for the series because, like we said, both of these teams were not on their A game. So I, I have no, I don't know what to expect going forward. You know, the Knicks were able to win an ugly one. This maybe this is going to be an ugly series, and that's what's going to happen. And I, I want to just kind of harp on this point just for a minute, just because I think that. Tibbs has taken a lot of flack through the year, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for the way that he played this game. Because like Greg said, you know, coming down the stretch of these games, you could see most of these guys potentially being in the closing lineup. And Tibbs saw yesterday that what they had out there wasn't working, and, you know, pe people sometimes fall 
Pickens, and he pulled Mitchell Robinson and RJ Barrett in that last two minutes. And that right after that is when the Knicks went on the run. So that they uh, both RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson came out wet after Jared Allen got that tip in. And then the Knicks, you know, scored that or Josh Hart made the three. And, you know, I think I have a tweet about this, but every person on the floor after that made a big play. Josh Hart made the three. Jalen Brunson made two jumpers. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein had that tip back to get the offensive rebound. Um, Julius Randle had that huge offensive rebound uh, for the last possession to get uh, get it out to Quentin Grimes. And then Quentin Grimes hit the two free throws. So every player on the court did something big for the Knicks there. And I have to give credit to Tibbs for that because, you know, he made that adjustment when he saw that what was on the court wasn't working. Yeah. I mean, Tibbs really did a great job kind of having his finger on the pulse of who should be in the, in the game. And, you know, Hardenstein has been the better center for much of the tail end of this year. Um, uh, I think that Mitch does have a, an element to his game. The offensive rebounding is just a different level, but Hardenstein's also a strong offensive rebounder. And, um, you know, the, I think that one X's and O's thing I wanted to point out was that it was very evident from the beginning that the the Knicks were looking to put Donovan Mitchell into pick and rolls and to, to force him to play some defense, whether that was to try and tire him out or to pick up fouls or anything like that. But basically, R.J. Barrett was the guy that Donovan Mitchell was guarding, and R.J. Barrett was going and setting ball screens for Jalen Brunson over and over again. And, you know, a lot of times Brunson was rejecting those screens um, to try and just take a Coro or whoever was guarding him one-on-one. But other times it was, uh, it was up to RJ to kind of catch it in space. Like he, he had one where he rolled to the, to the corner and he airballed a three so badly, but it was exactly the process that we'd want. Like Jalen Brunson drew two, kicked it to RJ in the corner, wide open three airball. But then when a couple of plays later, RJ rolled into space kind of at the, at the nail at the free throw line. He caught the pass from Brunson, like he was a rolling big man or something and he made the right play. So um, I don't know that that's going to be, that's going to be a big responsibility for RJ and for whoever Donovan Mitchell is guarding, because they're going to be the ones who's going to have to kind of have to play make when the Cavs put two on Brunson. So that's, that's one thing I'm looking forward to for the rest of this series. The other thing uh, I just want to point out that, that Darius Garland had one assist to five turnovers, which is just, I mean, that, that ratio is pretty insane considering he was one of the top players in the league in assist to turnover ratio this year. Um, he averaged 2.7 assists per turnover. Um, I, I want to say it was like top 15 in the league. So, I mean, it, that was a, a job well done guarding Garland. I just wanted to call out those two things. Is there anything else you guys wanted to, to talk about in this game or anything else you want to discuss in the series yeah. going forward? Yeah. So Garland actually averages 7.8 assists per game and we held him to one, which is impressive. But also I, like I have to admit Donald Donovan Mitchell is incredible. This yeah. guy is just, just an incredible shot maker. He hits threes. He gets the rim through, through everybody, you know, you know, those Kenny mentions from time to time, those fast breaks where Josh Hart just goes, and, and gets a bucket. Donovan Mitchell seems like he could do that at, at any time, not in transition, just from the, the straight front court set. So this guy is going to be a handful, and he's got plenty of playoff experience going for going off all the time in the playoffs, and last night was no exception. Yeah, and I think I mentioned to Tom during the game is that uh, 
He also had, you know, in that game last night, three, four, five, like Josh Hart type plays where he was diving on the floor, getting uh, loose balls. He was, you know, saving possessions for his team. And like, that's the star player of the other team, like putting it all out there and, and getting everything he possibly can out of this game. So a lot of respect to that guy. He he's a heck of a player. I mean, he, he played 44 minutes roughly. He was plus two in his minutes. So they, they, you know, obviously struggled in the, in the very few minutes he was sitting out. And that's another thing to look for is that when Donovan Mitchell does come out, can the Knicks take advantage of that, that time and, and get a little run in because this team, the Cavs heavily rely on Donovan Mitchell, who, yeah, I mean, that dude is freaking amazing. He's really good. Um, he's, he's an incredible athlete and he has to be guarded from, from really deep because he can pull up from anywhere. So the, the Knicks are going to keep putting two on him, right? They're going to keep helping from either the weak side corner, the strong side corner, whoever, the role player is wherever the Karis Leverts, Dean Wade's, Chetty Osmonds are are stationed. Nick's going to keep helping off that guy and and getting two or or even three sometimes bodies on Donovan Mitchell. And hopefully they're going to keep being physical with him. But um, yeah, and I think yeah, I think the just one one more point to make on that is like the opposite of what I was saying about the Knicks players, uh, Knicks role players, and how you know having won that first game, a little bit of the pressure might come off. I think it's the opposite for the Cavs players after losing that first game, you know, Lavert, Rubio, you know, the guys who, who weren't able to perform that last game, I think they might be feeling a little more and, and it, you know, the longer it goes, the worse it's going to get. Yeah, man. A Coro better make a shot, right. Or his confidence is going to, right. Cause he, he struggled to start the year and he kind of got into a spot where he wasn't even really taking many threes. And I think it was after the all-star break, he turned it around and he started, nailing some threes and started taking them more. But if he reverts back to that, that unable to make shots from deep, he's going to stop taking them, right? He's going to lose that confidence. We saw him do it once last night where he pumped faked out of an open three and drove on Brunson and Brunson just got vertical, jumped straight up and contested the layup and, and Okoro missed it. So um, he's, he's definitely going to be feeling that pressure. Kenny, to your point. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what, what the Cavs do with with their bench, you know. I assume we're going to see more Chetty Osman minutes. I don't know if, like you mentioned, Ricky Rubio. I don't know Dean Wade going minus fourteen in seven minutes. I'm I i do not know if we'll we'll see him again. Karis Levert's going to have to do better, and and those are the only guys who played. And mm-hmm. I don't know the rest of this team doesn't look. The rest of the team didn't play for a reason, you know. So. We'll see if they, they pull pull a guy off the bench. You know, playoffs are weird like that, where sometimes some changes change it up and you get a spark plug. I know the Knicks uh, back in my day, 2013 or 2012, whatever it was, they brought in Chris Copeland and and he was a spark off the bench. He's the you know the the tenth player on the team. So we'll see. Yeah, I guess the one guy we haven't really discussed much on the Cavs side is Jared Allen, who was an all-star last year and who I think a lot of people in the league would consider the best center in this series. And, you know, maybe maybe he is. um, But I thought that the Knicks did a good job of kind of holding him in check because he's not a guy who's going to, like, carry a ton of usage, right, or generate a lot of his own looks. He's kind of in that Mitchell Robinson mold where he needs guys to create for him and I mean, that's at least my impression of him. And I don't know that he's a guy who's really going to hurt you 
in that way, if you're, whether you're helping off of him or, or what have you. So, you know, I, I think if Mitchell Robinson and I, Isaiah Hardenstein can just kind of neutralize him, then, and that's sort of what happened in that game one. Yeah. And I think that's something to, to watch for in game two. We talked about it a little bit, but uh, early on, Mr. Robinson was helping aggressively off of whoever was guarding. Usually it was, it was Jared Allen. And uh, early on that led to a couple just wide open shots for Jared Allen um, off that help. So uh, I think he backed off a little bit in the second half and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out moving forward. Cause you know, I think it was more effective to, um, you know, there was a few times when, you know, Mitchell Robinson was being overly aggressive. I, I don't remember who it was, but someone else also, I think it might've been Jalen Brunson and him both challenged the same shot and, you know, they missed the shot, but because Mitchell Robinson went and challenged it, Jared Allen was just right there to, to clean it up. Um, so I think yeah. it just, yeah, we just need Mitchell Robinson to be, you know, smart about his help defense. Yeah. And we talked about wear and tear in this series. I think Jared Allen's going to be the one who, who feels the, the biggest effect that, you know, he's playing 43 minutes. Meanwhile, you know, Mitchell Robinson's playing 26, Isaiah Hardenstein's playing 22. So you're going against fresh legs for the, your, the entire time you're in the game against like a, a really good center. Very physical you know? centers. Yeah. That's yeah. a great point. Great point, guys. I mean, Obviously, this series is going to have ebbs and th- ebbs and flows. Um, you know, I don't think anyone's predicting like a, a Knicks sweep or a Knicks win in a, in a few games. I think it's uh, it, we're gonna there's gonna be moments of adversity, but as far as game ones go, this was like as good as you could have really asked for because there's still so much more the Knicks can do, so much better the Knicks can play, and just strategically. I, I'm curious to see what the Cavs can do beyond just make more shots. So um, it's going to be really exciting to see. And like that, that game one, if that was indicative of how the rest of the series are going to feel, I mean, that was just so much fun. It was such a fun game to watch. So uh, it's, it's pretty exciting stuff, guys. Anything else you want to say before we can, I don't know. What do we gonna do? We're not going to really make predictions. Are we? Are we? Six and three. Can't predict anything to, too scary. The, the being up one zero is is great though. You know, yeah, it's like being yeah. it's being up three. Or like the worst thing that could happen is that you're tied. Yeah, and I, 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 you can't even ask me to make a prediction because I'm going to predict the Knicks are going to win no matter what the situation is. I'm not going to predict the Knicks playoff loss, so I'm just not going to play your game, Tom. Although I guess that's kind of given a prediction in <laughs> what I'm telling you right now. All right, guys. I think we got into it. Um, we should we should record another one. Um, maybe after the next game, we'll 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 figure it out. We'll figure out what the schedule is for the playoffs. Make sure everyone's on the same page. But this was uh this was really fun. Do do we want to do a a quick what else is on? Just I mean, people are already listening here. I think they're probably. I mean, I think I think we we can might do a special what else is on with what else do you think about this NBA playoffs? This first round, I know that. The Celtics took their 1-0 lead over the Hawks. The Sixers took their 1-0 lead over the Nets. The Heater on their way to beating the Bucks. So that's the Eastern Conference right there. Then the Lakers also beat the Grizzlies. And what other game happened yesterday? The the Kings beat the Warriors. That was a yeah. I think one uh one point that I think about and I I, I feel like it's been a thing. Um, but maybe I'm, I'm mistaken, but I feel like there's a few of these playing teams winning the first game, uh, every year, just because they 
are fresh, like they've been playing and everyone else has been sitting out a week. And I think there's a little lag there. And I think we're like Greg said, we're seeing it with Miami right now. Uh, the Lakers beat Memphis, although there were, you know, some injuries in that game. I think John Morant left with a little little bit of time left. Um, But I think that's just a weird, like kind of disadvantage of having like a week so that they can play the play-in games. Yeah, I think that's, it's all going to come down to the injuries, right guys? I mean, Giannis played 10 minutes. um, I was going to say that's true for the Lakers, but this one, uh, Giannis just didn't play. Well, and, and Job, ja, did he hurt his hand? What happened there? He did hurt his hand on a, a a charge that was called on him. He landed on his on his hands. And Tyler Hero also broke his hand in this game, diving for a loose ball for for no reason. He broke so, it, so like he's done. That's what I mean. They said he wasn't coming back in this game. They said that he broke his hand, so I assume he's done. It's not great, man. It's injuries good. are huge. It's good to see the Knicks staying healthy. Because yeah. those are big players. You get we're talking. We're talking about John Morant, Giannis, and Tyler Hero, who's a big part of that Heat team too. I mean that those are some marquee players. So like their health is obviously going to determine the series in many ways. Like can the Bucks beat the Heat without Giannis? Yeah, probably. But I mean they they won't be a threat to, to win the East. Obviously, I mean that goes without saying. So um, Greg, do you know what, what happened to Giannis in that game? Uh, so Giannis just like landed on his tailbone. So he went up for like a layup and got fouled and then just wasn't able to brace himself. I, I don't think he's out for the series. He should be back. I'm surprised. I mean, he came back into the game for a few minutes and then he left again. So I think he's okay. But that being said, Tyler Hero broke his hand diving and then had to stand for a minute and hit a three. And then he left and they said he broke his hand. So the shooting hand broke it and he hit a three. It's not great. I'll uh, I'll end on a, on some more more positive points. Uh, I think I watched the end of the Sacramento Golden State game yesterday, which was wildly entertaining. Uh, I think they just went back and forth, you know, hitting big shots and stuff until uh, eventually Sacramento pulled away. And that's a big that's a big game for Sacramento, who I think a lot of people kind of have been disrespecting as a, you know a team that they don't really expect to. You know, I think a lot of people took Golden State over Sacramento, and I think it's the same with the. Uh, Lakers and Memphis, although now, you know, depending on what's going on with John Morant, that one looks a little more, you know, in question, Uh, but that was a big game. And then, um, you know, I know, I know the Nets lost to Philadelphia, but uh, my boy, Mikhail Bridges, another member of that 2016 Villanova national championship team uh, put up 30 in that game on 12 of 18 shooting. So go Nova. All right. Good stuff, guys. Um, I don't know. It's kind of, I don't want to say it's like uncharted territory because the Knicks obviously got a win two years ago in the playoffs during that uh, kind of pandemic playoff season. But I mean, this is as good of a, a feeling we've had in the postseason for a long time in Knicks land. So we're going to keep this going. Um, if you're still listening to this, we, we appreciate it. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, on the podcast apps. We're putting out highlights and video breakdowns, everything like that. And uh, and we appreciate it because it's going to be a fun postseason run. And uh, until next time, guys. Hey, let's go Knicks. Knicks take.